begin after eight taps. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. He was slinging pawns at a B&B when he had an epiphany. And make a part in about time too about not playing the ND. It was free for all and I heard him say he bought my borderlands. But just sit back and let Spencer do his trick cause you're incapable A-A-M's. Hello, and welcome to Keep Off The Borderlands. That was TJ Drennan. I'm Spencer, aka Free Thrill, and this is just me responding to a bunch of calls I've received over the past few days. And if you're listening, Jason, which I know you will be, I will get back to going through your back catalogue of messages from listening to my back catalogue. But uh, for now, I'm just going to respond to the messages I've received since last episode. So, here we go. Spencer, Zeeble Jeff. It's another paranoia reference. Another person talking about paranoia on your podcast. Hmm. That was Evil Jeff from Minions and Musings there. And, um, yeah, I'm not sure that sounds like a quite a strange background noise there. It's almost like you were contacting me from the other side. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I hear you. And I have to admit, I've been dancing around the issue of running paranoia. I do find it quite a daunting prospect. I don't believe I still have that first edition rule book and if I was to run it I don't think I would go back to that first edition I'd probably more likely run the into the odd hack into alpha complex but uh, yes I haven't forgotten your offer of running it play by post and I would certainly still be interested in that although I have to admit um, I'm a little intimidated by the the play-by-post forum format itself might sound a bit strange. Um, and joining uh, an established party all seemed a little daunting. Um, and I know you did your best to reassure me, but uh, <laughs> uh, but that reluctance um, is still there. Um, there's no reflection on your... Uh, powers of persuasion but you left me another couple of calls so uh let's listen to those spencer it's evil jeff listening to your halfway to highmire episode and you're talking about the character you're playing that's you know average intelligence but poor wisdom how would you go about that um, i'm actually playing a character like that in the play-by-post game that i've got going on over on unseen servant uh, my character gardo good fighter average intelligence but his wisdom is like a six you know pretty detrimental and i kept thinking you know he wasn't dumb by any stretch of the imagination but his wisdom is like holding him back 
you know, where most of us have the smarts not to do certain things with his low wisdom, maybe he's mm-hmm. not doing that. He's just kind of going ahead with it. Um, got some other thoughts. Hang on a second. So what else will low wisdom do? How about not knowing when to stop talking or when there's conversations going on, talking about something completely different that might be tangential, but it really doesn't add anything to the conversation. Maybe sometimes it's when you're trying to come up with a good plan, you go with that first thought, which is rather impulsive. So I think you really can play it. You just have to realize the wisdom is more about applying knowledge correctly or in a beneficial way rather than the way you and I normally do it. Because I think many of us, uh, our wisdom is at least average, not a six. Maybe that helps. Uh, Well, firstly, thanks, Jeff, for attributing me with uh, average wisdom. I'm happy with that. And, uh, yeah, you made some really interesting points there. I certainly was thinking along the lines of having the character be a little impulsive, acting unwisely. And I feel that maybe something like emotional intelligence probably falls more in the wisdom camp. And that kind of, yeah, that self-knowledge, self-awareness seems to be the way to go. And I certainly feel that Brap, my character, has got himself into a situation where he's really concerned about the implications of his current position. And yet he still managed to go along with that, without too much protestation. So, yeah, thanks for your call, Jeff. Evil Jeff. Hey, Spencer, it's Liren. Oh my gosh, I have got to get in on this Black Hack game. I keep saying I'm going to get in there and then I never have a window of time. It is really frustrating. I'm hoping to join you guys at some point. I'm so happy you got to play. That's really exciting. I'm glad you had a good time. Hey, Liren. That's Liren from Updates from the Middle of Nowhere. Always really great to hear from you. And... um I love the title of your message, Lucky Ducky. And I've got a feeling we may be in for a bit of duck action at some point. I'm sure there were some rumours floating around Shroud Vale. But uh, oh, it would be so good if we could get you into that game somehow. I mean, well, it's easy for anyone to join. It's just a matter of uh, finding the time. I, I know Dave's pretty flexible and I'm sure he would jump at the opportunity to have you in a game. I know that um, that all of us would really love to uh, have you playing. And I just feel so lucky that Dave is running this for us. I know that the way this is being run is kind of a uh, West Marches style where people can drop in and out. We're trying to get whatever we're setting out to do done within each session. Um, I'm really fortunate in that I don't know about the possibility of me being able to commit to a long-term campaign, but I'd really love to play in something like that. And this is kind of ticking that box for me. Like Dave was saying, there's a lot within the Black Hack that focuses on and encourages character development. And that really does put a, 
an interesting spin on something that presents itself as a light game. But yeah, just really, really enjoying the Black Hack sessions. And my thoughts about... See, I played in my second session and it was another group of seven. I feel Dave handled that admirably, particularly when we were split off in two groups. And I guess that does lead to something that um, Jason was talking about, where you're not sure who said what to who and what who's privy to what information. You know, obviously us listening in on what the other team were up to. And so it's kind of easy to forget who's told whom about what's occurring. But uh, I can't see that being too problematic anyway. But uh, yeah, thanks for your call, Liren. And it's good to hear you got your mojo back. Hey, Jason here from Nerds RPG Friday Cast. Yeah, after you mentioned it the other day, I think the, on 15th November, I bought the Shivering Circle as well, just a PDF, and been slowly reading through it, been busy, but it's an interesting system, neat game. Maybe we'll try to get it to the online table here, the virtual table here at some point. I'd definitely be interested in playing that. I bet you Pete would be interested. I bet you we, we have a number of people who would be interested in that game, actually. Um the other thing I want to mention is you, you talked about the dynamic and the feel and, and the lack of where you felt your contributor character during the Aliens game. And I, I think it's just maybe part of that kind of game, that kind of action-adventure game. It was go, go, go. So, yeah, Barney definitely stepped up the table and did a great job bringing something to his character. But I don't know that that game was – and I'm not – so I don't, I don't know how to say this so it doesn't sound wrong – because what Barney did was definitely great. And I tried to interject a little bit being the sergeant, a little bit of that in the game as well. But I don't know that that game, it was a game that was so essential to interject a lot of personality in your character, right? It, it was more just a straight action game. It's almost like a like a shooting video game where you're, you're you know, it's not about the inter, interactions. It's more a bit just about, you know, the action. It was almost more of a hack and slash kind of session. ICRPG definitely supports role playing and personalities. I mean, you asked Pete when we did the Colonial Gothic game, you know, they had like two combats over the two sessions, right? Two very short combats that took, you know, like five minutes for one, maybe five minutes each or something. You know, the vast majority of that was personality, investigation, and talking to NPCs and things like that. So you can definitely do it. And I think the Xeno Dead Zone rules would support a heavy role play game as well. You know, you could design a scenario where that heavy role play is in there and there's not so much combat. It just happens that the scenario Pete set up, which I think was a good one for, especially like with Barney as a new player to see, new online player to see how online works and to show online play off. I think it was a smart choice by Pete to do it that way. Um, but I definitely think the Xeno De- Dead, Zoo- yeah. Xeno Dead Zone rules can support other kinds of scenarios it just happened to be we were doing a super action super action heavy scenario that time so i definitely wouldn't beat yourself up over that by any means um i I think you brought a lot to the table there you're bringing a lot to the table in the black hat game and i really enjoy playing with you so i look forward to future games and as far as the black hack and the idea of um too many players and, and it is gonna be a really long message sorry um 
I get what Joe is saying, and I think four or five is probably the sweet point. Four or five players is probably the sweet point for the Black Hack. I think also that's the point where the GM maybe makes a determination, well, this monster is going to die after it's hit twice or hit three times, something like that. And, I mean, you still have the players rolling all, but that's one of those things, those cheats behind the scene things where, I, I don't know, different people are going to think different ways. I don't think that's necessarily cheating. I think it's just an easier way for the GM to do it instead of tracking hit points. So, I don't know. That's Maybe I just went off into la-la land there. But I'm interested to see how it works out because they've what they've talked about is maybe – if we get too many players sign up for a session, Dave would want run one group and Joe or Colin would run the other group and, and split them with two GMs running. So that would be interesting. We'll see if that comes up. And we could definitely do that game room one, game room two. You know, so we'll see how that pans out in the future. I'm interested. Interested to see how that dynamic falls out if we do that. You know, you have eight players show up. So Dave takes four, Colin takes four. And, you know, one's in game room one, one's in game room two, you know, and that might be really cool. So we'll see. I I think, you know, Dave is a pretty smart cookie, you know, and um, I think he's got a good plan for handling those large number of players. But if you're stuck where you're the only GM, I could definitely see capping it at four or five players. So anyhow, I've wasted a lot of your episode. Maybe I've given you a whole episode just for my meanderings but um look forward to talk to you again and maybe once you read that shivering circle rules we can loop pete or somebody else in and um play us some some good you know urban hard talk to you later jason from nerds rpg variety cast the man who needs no introduction but uh you got one anyway um <laughs> um lot to unpack there uh, Let's start with the Shivering Circle. I must say, yes, it looks great. And I think you've probably read more of it than I have, to be honest. But I'm kind of juggling so many things at the moment. But really, really intrigued to play in that setting. I don't know if you managed to check out the recommended watching list. Really great stuff in there, you know, from Witchfinder General all the way up to uh, The Witch that came out a couple of years ago. You'd probably want to add Midsummer to that list as well. Great stuff. Yeah, and I'm in full agreement as to what you were saying about the Xeno Dead Zone. That particular scenario that Pete was running was great. Really demonstrated how the countdowns work and just racking up the tension there. And I can see that there wasn't the necessity to kind of really fill out our characters in a one-shot like that. And I wonder how much of, uh, I mean, Barney really did impress me with um, being able to get the role-playing in there. And I wonder if that's got anything to do with his... I'm aware he's a big fan of skirmish games, and I get the impression that skirmish games are kind of a midway point between wargaming and role-playing. That's just the impression I get. I've got absolutely no experience of skirmish games or wargaming. My RPG experience, you could you know, write it on a beer mat. But I'm certainly beyond beating myself up about things like that. So, uh, yeah, you needn't worry about that, Jason. And uh, what you were saying about the black hack there, I think, yeah, I can, I, I can certainly see how that would be a struggle to run such a large group but as I said I think Dave did admirably and that 
combat at the end didn't seem problematic at all. In fact, the only issue there was that Brap couldn't hit a damn thing. And I think he only succeeded in uh, shortening somebody's beard. (laughs) Yeah, I thought that session went really, really well. Um, As far as splitting off into two groups, with the same setting being run by two GMs concurrently... um, I don't know. It seems a bit of a logistical nightmare to me. But then I've got no experience of of being involved in that kind of thing. It's boggled my mind anyway. <laughs> yeah, and back to the shivering circle again. Um, yeah, I noticed you didn't mention who would be running that kind of feeling. Like I've got the spotlight in my eyes. But um, well, you got the rules too. So, uh, and I've seen I've seen a few people express interest in that. Certainly, uh, it appears to be a concise rule book. I think I'm going to enjoy reading. So, uh, oh, hang on, what's this? Man, I said urban horror. I meant rural horror, country horror, out out in the boonies horror. <laughs> I didn't even notice you'd said that, Jason. But um, out in the boonies, I'd not heard that phrase before. Interesting. <laughs> but thanks for all those calls and, uh, you know, basically making my job easier and putting an episode together. Yeah, that's great. And like I say, I will get back to your older messages at some point soon. Take care, man. Hey, Spencer, it's John here from the Red Dice Diaries. Just wanted to drop you a quick call and say it was nice to finally get in a game with you the other night for Dave Aldridge's Black Hack game. Uh, really enjoyed the game. I'm going to be dropping Dave a message shortly. But yeah, I, I do get what you're saying. I do think that uh, the group in some cases was a, a little bit large. I think certainly splitting the groups up at one point during the game helped that. But then obviously you've got people who are sort of sat about waiting for their bit to be resolved. And Dave resolved that pretty expertly and like jumped around a little bit. Didn't keep anyone waiting too long. But I just think that's the nature of the beast with larger groups. I certainly know that I myself tend to keep my sort of player cap to about four or five people. But we'll see how things go in the future. Great to be in a game with you, dude. Take care. John Large from Red Dice Diaries there. Great to hear from you, John. And um, yeah, and it really was great to finally get to play with you and finally meet the legendary Dren. <laughs> great Great fun playing with you, man. Uh, Yes, I certainly think that Seven is perhaps testing the boundaries. But as you say, yeah, Dave managed it expertly. And um, as long as he's happy managing a group that size, I think we all got a look in at the last session. So, uh, yeah, that that was really well managed. Thanks very much for getting in touch, John. I'll speak to you soon, man. Take care. Hi Spencer, Pete Jones here. 
if we're talking Simon Pegg comedies, you've got to mention Space with Nick Frost and Jessica Hines. Pure comedy gold. Only made 14 episodes, but those 14 episodes, each one of them an absolute British classic. And if anybody wants to check out that, just check out on YouTube for some clips from Spaced. Simon Pegg really knocked out of the park with that one. Pete Jones there from Dragons Are Real. And I'm kind of, I'm scratching my head a bit there, Pete, because I'm not sure where I mentioned Simon Pegg, but failed to mention Spaced because I've gone on about Spaced in a couple of episodes because I'm a huge, huge fan of that. And uh, yeah, it is a real classic um, it's got to be one of my favourite comedy shows. Yeah, all written by the talents of Simon and Jessica, faultlessly directed by Edgar Wright with all the signature whip pans and breakneck editing. Just, just brilliant stuff. And anybody out there who's seen Shaun of the Dead really needs to go and check out Spaced. Thanks for prompting me to talk about Spaced once again. Cheers, Pete. Another episode of Keep Off the Borderlands in the bag. Thank you so much for listening. I've been Spencer, a.k.a. Free Thrall. Thank you for all your messages. As you can see, they can really help me put an episode together. If you want to leave a message of your own, click the anchor link in the description, or you can email me at spencer.freeforall at gmail.com Also in that description you'll see the link for the Patreon of Maestro TJ Dredden Remember if things get dicey just roll with it <laughs>